Like maybe we should be like, hey body, like what do you need? <laughs> Instead of, no, you don't know anything. Because I just feel like that's just, just how we are trained as women is just to like shut that voice off. And it is a very important voice. Welcome to The Body Pod. I'm Elena. And I'm Justine. This is a podcast where we talk to real people with real stories about their very real relationship with their bodies. We touch on diet culture, body acceptance, finding food freedom, and everything in between. So grab a cocktail or some snacks and join us here every other Tuesday for new stories, new topics, and a big dose of body love. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Body Pod. This is our episode three. I I'm super happy with all the great feedback we've been getting from our first two episodes. So thank you guys for that. Um, and the most exciting part about this episode is you're finally getting to talk to somebody other than Elena and myself. So Elena, who do we have with us today? This is my dear friend, Kristen. I'm so excited that she's our first guest. Uh, I'm we, We've been friends just for, for good while now right Kristen yeah, like at least three years at least yeah at least Probably 10 feels like a lot longer <laughs> <laughs> but yeah we've recently bonded over intuitive eating and I just knew that I wanted Kristen to share her story and yeah I'm just so happy you're here so thank you for coming thank you for having me so Kristen we always like to start by asking how your journey started. So when did you first become aware of your body? So um, thinking back for this specific interview, I kind of wanted to really delve into that. And I thought back to my childhood and I feel like most of my like early childhood was very neutral about food. Um, I remember we ate just like a lot of different stuff in my house. There was no like hard and fast rules. Um, I never really struggled with my weight growing up until later. Um, so I feel like food, like I remember being a kid, like, and being able to stop eating when I was full. And like, whenever I developed more issues later in life, I was like, I want to go back to that. Like, it seems like I was an intuitive eater from the beginning. Um, but even though for me growing up, I, I wasn't struggling with weight or, in a situation where I had like a parent who was constantly pushing, pushing, sorry, pushing diets on me. Um, I definitely had diet culture in my life. Like my dad, I actually take after my dad in a lot of ways. And growing up, my dad was always struggling with his weight and his mom, my grandma was struggling with her weight. And so in my childhood, I remember hearing jokes about how fat my dad was. And he was never that fat. That's the other thing is like, he was just like a normal dude. But um, how fat he was and then um, like how he would just like he was the human garbage disposal and we would just give him whatever food we didn't want and he would eat it. And my grandma was like always on some weird diet. Like every time I went to her house, she was on a new diet, like slim fast. And I remember specifically this one moment in my childhood, her telling me, and I don't know why she always told me about her diets. It's not like she was trying to get me on a diet, but I think she was just proud that she was on another diet. Mm-hmm. And I remember her telling me um, that she was on a diet where the, the diet, whoever made the diet up told them like, whenever you want to eat a food that's not good for you, just imagine it has mold all over it. And then you won't want to eat it. And like, Ugh. as a kid, 
I thought that was weird, but like then growing up, I like tried to do that. And I was like, that doesn't work very well. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. stupid. Um, so those were kind of like my early, just like memories of food. Um, I do remember in spite of not having a lot of diety culture around, like I still remember, like I was a really thin, natural, thin kid. And I still remember distinctly like standing in my bedroom and like looking at my stomach and making sure it was always so flat. Like I was so like intent, even as, as early as I can remember my earliest memory is fifth grade. Um, I remember like really wishing my thighs were smaller and I don't know where I got that from. Like, I don't remember a specific like thing that made me think, Oh, I need to be skinnier. It was just like part of the zeitgeist. I I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like that's part of the language is like the thigh gap and the thigh smallness so weird yeah and like I was a very thin child like there there was like nothing wrong with me at all but I just remember specifically like even through high school I would just like stand in my mirror and be like is my stomach flat oh it's still flat that's good (laughs) um (laughs) and then I also remember like as a kid being really fat phobic so I remember I didn't I wouldn't say I was a bully but I definitely like had negative feelings towards fat people and I think that's just the way that you know like my mom would make fun of my dad and then like you know my grandma always being fat and it's seeming like a negative thing like I just think that like it was kind of absorbed into me mm-hmm. and so I definitely had this like fear of ever becoming fat mm-hmm. um which then when I was in high school um my family like we moved around a lot my dad um, his job caused us to move to other countries when I was growing up. And like that caused a lot of anxiety and depression for me. I mean, I don't think it caused it, but it definitely made it worse. Um, so in my high school years, I had a lot of anxiety and depression. And I think really looking back on it, I think it was just a way to, to desire to control something in my life. I started restricting food somewhat. And I think it was just because I liked the feeling of being hungry because it gave me some power over something. Mm-hmm. so I remember like I didn't do that to lose weight it was just like a control thing but I remember getting compliments after I went away for a couple of weeks in the summer and I came back and I was thinner because I hadn't eaten for like two weeks almost and people were like oh my god you look so good and I was like oh I didn't think I looked bad before but like this is great um I got a lot of attention from guys during that time so I was like <laughs> okay so this is what I need to do <laughs> um Damn. and then after high school um I so my depression was still pretty bad so I got put on a medication after high school that caused me to gain like I want to say almost 80 pounds and that's when the roller coaster of weight cycling began for me um I gained a lot of weight in like less than a year and I got a lot of negative feedback from my family, just some really like hurtful things that still to this day, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that I was okay with you saying that to me. But at the time I was like, oh, well, I'm fat. So I deserve this. That's awful. (laughs) It was really, it's really awful. But um, yeah, so I went on my first diet when I was like 18, 19. I did Atkins and lost a lot of weight really fast and then gained it all back in less than a year plus some more. And um, looking back, I think, like internalizing all the negativity and shame that I got from just that like short time of gaining all that weight and then combined with going on a really extreme restrictive diet I think that's when my binging really started because I went away to college during that time and in college like I went to OU and there was like this little convenience store on campus that you could go buy candy 
and all this stuff and like you used your uh like points that you had for the food so you didn't actually use money so mm-hmm. I think like being out on my own for the first time and being really depressed and just all that stuff and then like being terrified I was going to gain weight again I just started binge eating in my dorm room by myself so when it came to your binges because I obviously have experience with binge eating too when they first came on did you realize what was happening or were, did they kind of take you by surprise no I definitely just was completely like numb to everything in my life at that point and so I, I, I don't think I was aware of anything. I just remember being like, okay, I can go to the store and get all this food and then go sit in my dorm. Like I had a single dorm, mm-hmm. so I could literally just sit in there by myself and eat and no one was going to bother me. And I wasn't like very thoughtful about it. It was more just a thing of like, I just didn't want to feel anything. And food had become a way to numb that like pain, I guess. I don't know. So... But yeah, that definitely was like the beginning of that behavior of, and I think part of it was just in my body's reaction to that extremely restrictive diet. It's crazy how something just like restriction can spark so many other coping mechanisms. That's immediately what I think of is like you cope in so many different ways with food just because of the one trigger of dieting. I look back on that time now for myself and I agree with you. I think about it and I'm like, I was just trying to survive. And like, I was doing everything I could to survive. But in that time, that felt very negative And like, I was failing myself and my diet, um, which is just more negativity. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that like, that was a coping mechanism that I, my body was just like, well, you haven't been feeding me, so let's at least do that. And it turned into just like the super out of control, horrible time in my life that it wasn't just food related. It was just like a lot of like mental health stuff. But that's definitely where I think I started to really like notice that like my relationship with food was not normal. Um, but I, I thought that was just because I was lacking in some area of willpower. So then I came back from college. My parents made me come home because I was so depressed and I started working and I was working at this bakery that was very healthy. It was like a whole grain bakery. And I went on this low calorie diet, my second big diet. I remember specifically, I I carried around a little black book to to write my calories done in because this was before like smartphones and the internet. I mean, there was internet, but like you didn't have it on. (laughs) So I had to like look stuff up and then write it down in my little black book of calories. Um, (laughs) So weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was obsessed with, um, like I remember going on a road trip with one of my friends one time and I was like I can't work out today because I'm gonna be sitting in the car all day and like I'm gonna gain weight like I was obsessed with always sticking to this plan of like I had to work out I had to eat this certain number of calories every day no more than that and I mean I did lose like a lot of weight but I became obsessed with food like to the point that it was just like everything terrified me because I, like, I remember when I first started dating my husband, we started dating, I think when I was 21, and he tried to make me dinner, and he was cooking tilapia, and he was going to use some oil in the pan, and I was like, oh, I can't eat oil. I was like, that's too many calories, oh I, and I, I like, had a breakdown. I'm like, I'm lucky that we we're still together, because, like, what a neurotic person to start dating, <laughs> um, but during that time when I lost so much weight, like, people kept seeing me, and they'd be like, oh, wow, you look so great. Keep it up, which I'm like, don't ever say that to someone, but yeah. keep it up. 
what does that mean? I have to keep losing weight forever? Until you die? <laughs> Until I die. I'm nothing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was like, that was a very common thing people would say to me. And so I became like upset, like this tracking my calories and, you know, always hearing that positive feedback from people. And, um, you know, I just became obsessed with like this idea that like I could never gain this weight back because I would never fail myself again. And, but I was working at this bakery which was a great place to work. Like everyone was really nice and sweet. The food was very health focused, but like we still had, you know, sweets, which isn't a bad thing. But for me it was because I, I wouldn't allow myself to have sweets, but then I would binge on them at the end of the day. And I mean, like I would go home and probably eat like, I don't know, two to 3000 calories at night. Um, and then that turned into me making myself throw up just to get rid of the calories and Mm. like I was so obsessed with like this restriction that I wasn't seeing that like oh this restriction might be causing me to be obsessed with food like I I remember also like during the day at work I would chew gum because as long as I had some gum in my mouth I couldn't put anything else in my mouth Mm -hmm. so that became like a coping mechanism of like because as long as I didn't start eating something that was quote-unquote like not good for me um I wouldn't have to worry about a binge. It was like the moment something in my, went in my mouth that I wasn't supposed to have according to the strict diet. That's when like everything just like went out of control. Yeah. I feel like gum is a huge one. Yeah, for sure. I did that. And I was like, I don't need to eat. I'm having gum. Like yeah. su- stupid stuff, how you trick your mind, but you're not tricking yeah. anything. No. Your mind I mean, is like, smarter than that. Yeah, your body's still hungry. Your body's like, hey, man, like, I'd really like to eat something. But um, yeah. <laughs> but I was, <laughs> I was also, like, obsessed with working out at the time, too. Like, I was running on a treadmill, like, every single day. I remember going to – I had a gym membership to this gym that was open all the time because it, there was no one working there. You just had a key pass to get in. And I remember going on Christmas Day and feeling so superior because I was, like, the only one in the gym on Christmas wow. Day. I was so dedicated. Day. <laughs> um, but during that time also, not only was I like messing myself up like mentally and, you know, you know, making myself throw up, which is incredibly bad for you. It's bad for your teeth. It's bad for like all kinds of muscles in your esophagus. It's just, it's terrible for you. But I was also like not listening to my body and the fact that um, running every day was not a positive thing for me. I guess the muscle that's supposed to keep your kneecap in place on me is very weak. And so my knees were hurting like every single day, really bad. I'm like 21 at this time. And I'm like, it's fine. Pain is gain. It's okay. Yeah. I ruined my knees like forever. Like they will never be okay. Like I can never run again. Um, But I didn't go to the doctor for years to ask them because I was like, I'm, I'm fine. This is just like, this is how it's supposed to feel when you're, you know, trying to lose weight. You're supposed to be in pain and miserable all the time. It is crazy how binary it is. It's always like, I feel like we were always taught the message like, all pain equals all gain. Like there's, you can't not go to the gym on Christmas day or skip a day of your diet. Yeah. But going back to your medical, like your doctors, did they, when you were seeing them ever say like, maybe you should slow down or was that never like a question that they asked? Oh no, no. Oh God. I, I was never like, by the time I went to the doctor for my knees, I wasn't even running anymore and I had gained weight again. And so the, the doctor was like, well, you should probably lose some weight to help your knee. I mean, it was like, never like, like I went to physical therapy for it and they're like, well, you're not running right. So that's what they, they just taught me how to run better. <laughs> but so with the bulimia stuff that um, 
I talked to my mom about it and I guess she didn't think it was that serious, but I, th- I thought it was serious. And I didn't, I did not process that until this past year that like, I did not even take my eating disorder seriously as it deserved to be taken because my mom wasn't taking it seriously. Like most of the people in my life was, were just like, Oh, she's thrown up in the bathroom again. That's just normal. Wait, I'm sorry. What do you, what do you mean by that? By not taking it seriously? Like, did she just shrug it off or? So basically my mom told me, and this is like, if my mom ever hears this, I'm sorry, Sharon. But um, she told me that like, if you're throwing up, the calories are still being absorbed into your body. So you're not even like, it's really not doing anything. And mm-hmm. I thought at the time I was like, because I, you know, I told her, and we have this really good eating disorder program in Tulsa with this uh, hospital called Laureate. That's a mental health um, hospital. And so I told her and I asked if I could go get treatment and they let me get treatment. Um, but when I got to the treatment, I saw these girls who were like severely anorexic and on feeding tubes and just very thin. And like, I was in a very, I was very small for my, my body but I was not underweight. And so when I saw those girls and I thought about what my mom said, I was like, oh, I'm not, I don't have an eating disorder. It's just like, I'm just kind of weird with food. I think that looking back on it, I think that I thought I was just doing it for attention, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I guess that I just listened to the feedback I was getting and I was like, oh, well, this isn't real. And so (laughs) I guess I just stopped doing, I stopped purging because I thought, well, I failed at eating disorder, so like I'm not, I'm not going to purge anymore, so I'm, I'm healed. And it was really frustrating, too, because the eating disorder treatment, I did not find very helpful. They, they told me things like, well, you just need to make sure you have one unit of protein and one unit of carb and one unit of this every time you eat. And these, these are some examples. And it was just like very like medical and not like a, a way to approach food that is like a normal life way to approach food. It was very just like... If you were going to eat off of a hospital tray, that would be fine. But like in, in day-to-day life, it was not applicable to me. And I just found it really confusing and mm-hmm. it just made food even more difficult for me to approach. Um, did, it, did it go into like the mental aspect of eating disorders at all? I think, like, I feel like I saw a therapist a few times, but I don't even think like I really got that deep into like mentally why are you doing this it was more just like we'll teach you how to eat better and tell you that this is not very healthy and stop like that's how I felt it was and I'm sure like a lot of people have been helped a lot by Laureate like I've heard really good things from other people just for me it was not the right thing at least at that time with the other support I was getting outside of my life well I'm sure it was hard too to not feel like it was a thing for you like not see other people represented yeah like you if everybody else looked like the quote-unquote picture-perfect vision of an eating disorder yeah then of course you'd feel out of place and uncomfortable and all that yeah absolutely I think that like learning more now about how people with eating disorders look all different shapes and sizes and genders and races um that's a hugely important thing that like I wish people would realize because every person with an eating disorder is not just a waif who like needs to eat a sandwich it's it's not that's not it at all Mm -hmm. and it's just such a narrow view of a huge horrible thing Mm -hmm. so um yeah I think that it wasn't even until I really started to delve into intuitive eating the past couple years that I even 
recognized and honored that time in my life for myself. Like I was like, wow, that was really bad. And it didn't just go away. Like I thought it did. It just morphed into, instead of purging, I was still binging, but I was using food as this way of like a self abuse. I is the best way I can describe it. Like I, I hated myself and my body so much that I was like, well, I'll just eat all this junk that like, like didn't even make me feel good. It wasn't stuff that I actually wanted to eat and it wasn't eating because I was hungry. It was more just like binging and like uh, this hurts and helps numb the pain at the same time. So I'm going to keep doing it. And I just did that for years and didn't realize that that was like also a disorder and not like a normal way to approach food. Um, yeah, it was just like, I, like I said, my eating disorder did not go away. <laughs> it just, it just changed to something else that was like a little more palatable, I guess, for me and my, that was around me to accept. And like my husband, I have to say, I have to give him a lot of credit. He, he and I ended up, so we started dating at 21 and I got married at 22. I'm just going to like put that out there so everybody understands that like, yes, I did get married very young. And for the audience, they're still together, just prefacing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yes. like the power couple of the world, just saying. <laughs> well, we really guys. lucked out on that one. We've been married for almost 12 years now. Yay. Um, <laughs> but he, he and I started dating when I had just really like got into like the really bad purging part of my bulimia and like he was definitely never a voice that wasn't concerned like mm -hmm. I I have to give him credit like he was never like he out of everyone in my life I feel like he was the most supportive and like the the self-hatred that he's had to listen to me talk about with my like regard to the way I viewed myself for so long like he hates that so much like he has always been my biggest ad advocate, I just have to shout out to him that like, I know all this stuff I'm saying is really awful, but like, he's always been there. I don't know why he's st stuck around with someone that was like, at the beginning of our relationship, I was like really in it, <laughs> but he's still around. So really appreciate that. How did you tell him or how did he find out? Man, that's a really good question. I don't remember exactly. Like I think, wait, I remember now. I told him over MySpace. <gasps> no way. <laughs> I just remembered. Um, <laughs> I, like, I was like, wait, did we have a conversation about it? Or nope. He asked me out over MySpace. Um, and then like we used to just, I mean, it was like people texted back then. This is in 2007. MySpace was the thing back then. And so <laughs> I think I remember telling him I was going to the doctor. I've always been very open about mental health I have a degree in psychology so I'm I've always been very open and very honest about mental health so it wasn't I it, honestly I don't think it was hard for me to tell him because at that time it was my reality and and he was just very he's always been very open and accepting um but yeah I remember writing him a message and I was like hey I'm gonna go see this doctor at Laureate today um and then I wrote him later and I was like so I got diagnosed with bulimia today and I was just like just that's that's how I said it so yeah I but I think that like at that time where I was mentally like I think that I and I don't think you should ever be embarrassed or ashamed of your eating disorder and like you should always talk to people about it and it's, it's okay like if you're struggling but I think that like for me it was almost a thing of pride because I was like look at me I'm like really taking my weight seriously like I don't think I even realized how much of a negative thing it was that was in my life at that time like as much as I knew I needed help because 
you have to remember, I also had studied psychology. So I was like, this is not okay. Like one side of me was saying that and the other side of me was like, but look how skinny you are, you know? And it was just like, it was just very messed up, like a very screwed up, not okay <laughs> brain that had, that was in control at that time. But yeah, I think, yeah, that's how I told him. I told him MySpace. I love a story for the agents. <laughs> <laughs> so my husband and I, when we got engaged, I just think this is like really sad. And I just wanted to put it out there for like people like Elena who are getting married soon. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of pressure put on me to lose weight for my wedding. And I just think that is such crap because <laughs> I had just gotten out of treatment for an eating disorder. And people were like, well, are you going to lose weight for your wedding? And like, I mean, just the, um, the craziness of that, that I was asked that multiple times. And I remember when I got my photos back of my wedding, like I wouldn't look at them for years because I was like, oh, I'm so fat. It's like I was in a normal body. Like it was very normal. So, and like, even if I was fat, that's still not okay. Have you heard of the article by Lindy West um, that says I got married and I was fat the whole time? I haven't, but I love Lindy West, so I'm going to have to look that up. It's her best work, and her wedding dress. It was so pretty. Yeah. The flowers on it. Ugh, she's so beautiful. I love her. Yeah, I am in a lot of wedding groups on Facebook right now, and there's so many times where people are like, what's your best bridal boot camp? What's your bridal strategy to lose weight? Like, I tried on my dress, and it doesn't fit. I'm like, you should have bought a dress that fit you. Yeah. That fair and square. Like, yeah. Also, like, why do you not want to look like yourself on your wedding day? That's my biggest question. Yeah. That's a really good point. I remember my mom bought me a dress that was too small for me. And I don't think she did it to like force me to lose weight, but she was like, it was like an on sale J. Crew wedding dress. She was like, I got this for you. And I was like, that dress sat in my closet for like eight months and mm. just ridiculed me. Like, it was just like mm. terrible, like, just the worst possible thing to have in my life at that time yeah. but I agree like it's you're not going to look like yourself I mean just it's just ridiculous like it's just it's just a day and what matters at the is at the end you're like married to the person that you love all the rest of it is just a bunch of crap <laughs> I just want to put that out there I think more people need to hear that so thank you very much but also you're gonna have a great wedding Alina so thank you I'm excited about it I'm gonna buy a dress no matter what size I am it's gonna be great so we've gotten through your wedding, but going back to all my questions about the bulimia or that part of your story, how many years did you struggle with that? And was there ever a route out that you found? So the actual binging purging cycle didn't last that long. It was probably like a year. That time in my life is just so fuzzy also, because it was just like, I was so hungry all the time and so obsessed with food that like I don't feel like I was able to adequately like form memories if that makes sense like it was like my brain was just yeah my brain was just not functioning right so the actual bulimia like quote-unquote bulimia as like would be diagnosed by a psychiatrist or a psychologist only lasted for probably about a year but the behavior the binging um, and punishing of my body that lasted over a decade. Like that just really stopped in the past couple years. I can't say exactly when. I think it was just kind of a gradual like coming to a realization that like, oh, like all of this stuff that I've been doing to myself for half of my life is like not okay. 
yeah, after the bulimia stopped for a while, I was also doing like just this, I really, I think it developed orthorexia, which I like, are you guys familiar with the definition of orthorexia? I'm familiar, but yeah, for our listeners, please let us know what it is. Um, I don't know the exact definition, but I will say it is basically just an obsession with eating healthy and thinking you're morally superior to others because you eat so healthy. Um, and that's definitely something that I went through also. Like I went, I, I went on these weird diets for a while. Like I was doing like a raw diet. And a lot of this came from the bakery I was working at. I, like everybody I was with was very health conscious. So these girls would just be like, oh yeah, I'm doing this like all raw diet. I just only eat raw nuts and raw vegetables and raw fruit. And I was like, great, that sounds like a good way to lose weight. Like it was never a health motivator. It was just like weight only. Mm-hmm. I did vegetarianism for a while. And that was, there's nothing wrong with being a vegetarian, but that for me, it was, it was not ethics based. It was just based on like meat alternatives usually have less calories. I went through a lot of that weird stuff. And then in 2011, I got a job at a salon that was really stressful and my hours were really weird. And as you, if you have been to a salon, you might know (laughs) they're very like most, it's not like everybody I worked with was very vapid, but like just the general salon environment was very like physical appearance conscious. And so like, as I was stressed out and, you know, my hours were so weird, like just slowly over the course of this decade, like I just turned the volume of like my body and like its needs so far down. Um, Like I... I, a lot of times I would work like four to nine or sorry, one to nine. So my quote unquote lunch shift would be at 4 PM, which like who eats at 4 PM? Like nobody. So I would have to eat when I wasn't hungry or if I was hungry, I'd have to go in the back and like shove something in my face really fast. So it just created this like really like negative relationship with food that was already like started and had been existent for a long time. It just got worse and worse with that environment specifically. And I gained more and more weight as I was there because it was just like when you don't listen to your body and you can't even like hear your body at all um, and you're stressed out all the time. So your cortisol levels are super high. You're not sleeping, like all these things. Like it was just like the perfect storm of just not, (laughs) not healthy environment for me. And I, you know, got to the point where I I am still at this point, actually, I have to be honest, like, I still don't like my photo being taken. Like, it's very hard for me to let people take my picture. But for a long time, like, I basically just erased myself. Like, I was just like, I will never be in a photo. I, like, just didn't want to exist. And then, like, working in a salon, I didn't even want to look at myself in the mirror. And, like, this was a huge salon. (laughs) Like, having to avoid mirrors was, like, a martial art like I was just like I mean it was just ridiculous but I was like so like nervous about like whenever you talk to hairstylists they will talk to you in their mirror and like I would lo- I would not look at the mirror and mm. I'm sure people thought that was weird but like I just like couldn't do it like I was so unaccepting of like the weight that I had gained and how I looked and how much I hated myself and it was just like this this horrible mental space to be in but I felt like I deserved it because of the weight that I was at like I felt like that was normal you know so so did this do you think this like essentially fat phobia against yourself came from your perspective from growing up as a kid or was it coming from other external forces during that time it was definitely coming from everywhere like um the salon I worked at um I was told at one point that like the way you advanced was like to be skinny 
Like that was no way. <laughs> what? Yeah. That yeah. should be discrimination. That's yeah. and that wasn't wow. like I wasn't that wasn't coming from the person at the top. That was coming from someone above me though. Hmm. And so that was wow. one of the things that I was always conscious of was like if I ever want to make it in this company, I have to get skinnier. Um and then you know, my parents just as much as they I know they love me, like the concern about someone's weight just like it doesn't help. Like the the um comments I was always getting from my family like I think that my parents live in a different state than I do and like whenever I go visit them still to this day even with all the work I've done like I retreat back into those like really negative behaviors of like hiding food in my room and um like whenever they see me the first thing if they don't say I look like I've lost weight like it's just I feel like I got gut punched like it's just the worst that's awful I think that like just the time after I gained weight and after high school, like all of that coalesced into this just really like fat phobic of my own body. Like I don't feel negative towards other fat people. It's just me. I'm so the same way. Like I was on the subway one time. This was during my like dark years. Um, But I saw somebody in a bigger body size than me and I was like, oh my God, she's just gorgeous she had really cool clothes anyways long story and then I was like why can I not be that like admiring of myself yeah I think you know even today I was online um I was on reddit and I have to be very careful about like what internet I consume because it just can can go so bad so fast if you're Mm -hmm. in a bigger body um but just some like I'm on this reddit thread that or the subreddit called am i the asshole where people will like write in like hey i did this am i the asshole and there's so many people on there will be like am i the asshole for reminding my daughter that she needs to lose weight and like people are like no you just care about her health and i'm just like come on y'all but it's just so crazy because it's like all the time and i think now especially because i am more aware of the anti-diet culture and intuitive eating and like how you that like really isn't helpful and like in intentional weight loss is never going to work out in your favor you know knowing all that stuff I'm just like do you realize like what damage you're doing to your your child like I want to write that but then also I don't want to get into a like a fat fight with someone on the internet so then I just am like Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna remove myself from the situation but yeah I think that to answer your original question like I don't think it was just from my childhood but I will say um, growing up and hearing so many negative things about my dad's appearance when I when I grew up I looked just like my dad Mm-hmm. And, you know, hearing that all the time, like how ugly he is and, you know, and my grandma too, I look just like both of them. And like, I even remember growing up thinking my grandma was not very attractive because there was just so many negative things said about her. And I'm like, I look just like her and just like my dad. And, and that's just really hard. And I tried to tell my mom that recently. I was like, hey, whenever you make those jokes about dad being ugly, I know you guys think it's funny, but like, I look just like him. And she was like, no, you don't. And I was like, yeah, I do. So, um, yeah, I think the, the fatphobia with myself came from just every avenue possible, like family, friends, everyone. It was just, yeah. So this is still, you're still working that super stressful job at the salon. Yeah. I worked there off and on for like seven or eight years. Um, I think I quit the last time in 2017. Um, or two, no, it was 2018. It was 2018. So fast forward, let's see. Um, so the last diet I actually went on was in 2018. Um, it was Weight Watchers. Um, I lasted, I think, like two weeks. A lot of my friends were on it at that time. And 
I was just desperate to lose weight because every time I went to the doctor, no matter what it was for, I was told you have to lose weight. And around that same time, I also heard from one of my doctors that he thought I might have polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. Um, and I still actually haven't gotten officially diagnosed with that because since I am a woman that does not want to have children, it's a lot harder to deal with doctors in that way because they're like, oh, we'll just come back to you when you want to get pregnant. We'll work on it. But for now, just lose weight. That's kind of the advice I get when I try to talk to doctors about it. But PCOS is actually a huge issue that affects a lot of things. And I've just now started learning that. It's not just I may or may not be able to have children. It's, it's like it affects my depression. It affects my hunger levels. It affects my fatigue that I feel every day. Like I can grow like some extra hair on places in my body that aren't normal for women. Um, I can lose hair, which I luckily haven't had that problem. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things about PCOS that are not just child related. So the fact that it gets swept under the rug so much is really frustrating. So during this time, like I kept being told by doctors I had to lose weight for various reasons. And so I like right before Weight Watchers, I tried keto both times with Weight Watchers and Keto, I think my body just was like, hell no. Like, I'm sorry, but no, you're not doing this. And it was just weird because I had never really had that much trouble being on a diet and staying on a diet before. It was just like the aftermath of the diet was always the downward spiral. But I think like part of it was like any kind of tracking for me, I recognized immediately is like, this is going to become obsessive and this is not okay for you. Like this is like, maybe it works for some people. But for me, it just immediately like brings all of that back to the forefront of my brain. And then the only thing I think about is food. Do you think that adverse reaction to restriction or those set diet plans somehow had something to do with your past history of all or nothing with orthorexia? I think that definitely is, is like a thing that has played a part of my life for a long time. Not so much anymore, but um for sure, when I'm like around my family, like I feel that desire coming back up to be like, oh, yes, I eat that too. And I love quinoa and all this, you know, I'm just like, I don't like quinoa. Listen, <laughs> I just don't like it. And I don't like kale either. And that's okay, because I like other stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just something that's definitely been a huge part of my life. And I think just recently, especially reading Christy Harrison's anti-diet book, um, I kind of learned a lot more about why that's kind of a problematic position to have in general, just like you're not morally better than anyone because you can afford better food and you're not like morally better than someone because you have genes that make your body a specific size. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a hard thing, especially right now and especially like in Oklahoma. I don't know what it's like around the world everywhere else, but like I feel like in Oklahoma, everybody has that kind of like tendency to be like, oh, well. I don't eat that kind of thing. So I don't know why you would eat trash. <laughs> when you mentioned Christy Harrison's book, that makes me think of the recovery process and your journey to finding intuitive eating. So you're kind of on Weight Watchers and I'm assuming that's your last ditch yeah, diet. That was, that was my last diet ever. About Weight Watchers, I wanted to, I, I feel pretty much solely responsible for that because I was like this Weight Watchers evangelist and I have so many, I think in my episode, I talked about having regrets for all the times that I told people like, you should do this. This is the most amazing thing. I love it so much. And Kristen, I feel like you were one of those people who I told to do it. And now I just, I just feel a lot of shame around this. Oh. Like I, I know that when you're in that diet mode, that 
that's just like all consuming of your life. And like, I'm not trying to make excuses for myself, but that's kind of how it goes. But at the same time, now that I can look back with some perspective, I'm like, I just can't believe that I would play doctor and like tell people what they should be doing for their bodies when how would I know if Weight Watchers is going to work for somebody? It wasn't even working for me, clearly. So, (laughs) Well, I don't definitely don't blame you for that. I mean, like you were a person that I asked questions and like you helped me kind of figure out how Weight Watchers worked. But like I there were a lot of people that were like Weight Watchers evangelists in my life and people online that I was following that were Weight Watchers people. And I absolve you of that guilt, at least when it comes to me. (laughs) Without you, I would have still done it. So don't worry. And my problem with Weight Watchers specifically, and like even when I was doing it at the time, and like I said, it it was only a couple of weeks. I could not stay on it. I hated it so much. But my big problem with it was that it, it seemed to focus on putting food in your body that wasn't real food over like quote unquote fake food over real food was what I felt like like they wanted like I felt like the quest bar was like the easiest thing for me to eat like on the run but Mm -hmm. the quest bars are disgusting they taste like chemicals and I'm sorry like that's not food like it's just and I feel like if a quest bar is quote unquote healthier on Weight Watchers than like nuts like that was a problem for me I was like as much as I don't feel like I totally understand everything about nutrition and how food works and how my body works like this is just not okay like I just knew like there was and I feel like my body at this time during those last two diets I went on was really like telling me like hey I know like I really do feel like my body was trying to say I know what is best for you and I was just like nah you don't like you don't know anything (laughs) it's so true because I remember like driving one day I remember exactly where I was and I was like, I never want to count almonds again. Like I knew, like I I just had this epiphany that like there is no one in the world that can write a diet that is better than like, if I know I'm hungry, I'm going to eat two more almonds. Like that's just so weird to me that like all these diets are one size fits all and they don't account for like some days I'm hungrier than other days and I'm going to eat more on some days and like I have to do that or I will be a misery to be around because no one wants to be around me when I'm hungry yeah it's a bad situation so yeah I just had I think my body was like for a long time like for years before I even knew about intuitive eating I think my body was just trying to send me these signals it was like I don't need you to diet I don't want you to diet and also hey I think I might know some stuff that like you're not even realizing I know, which I think is really cool. I just wish I had listened to it (laughs) a lot earlier. Well, it's just no one tells you to listen. Like that was my big issue is I feel like we all have these tiny little, tiny, tiny, tiny little realization moments or tiny little like your body telling you something. And if anybody in mainstream society, like any doctor would be like body internal signals or if that literature was mainstream, then I feel like it'd be so much easier for us to actually like dive into that. But I feel like we're always told to regulate and to like use the science to our advantage. Yeah. And especially as women, I feel like we're taught so much to like, just hush, like just Mm -hmm. be quiet about that thing that you're feeling. It's not real. Like, I can't tell you how many doctors I've been to who told me I was making up symptoms. Wow. Like, I'm not kidding you. Before anyone mentioned PCOS to me, I went to a doctor. I actually was seeing two different doctors at one time because I could not get any answers. I was so tired all the time. This is like five Mm. years ago. I was just exhausted all the time. And I think like looking back on it now, I'm like, of course you were exhausted all the time. You worked at a really stressful job and you were miserable and like, But also, like, PCOS causes, like, really bad fatigue. And 
I asked that doctor to test my hormones and she told me no. She was just like, nah, your hormones just fluctuate a lot when you're this age. So it doesn't really matter. And like, I think back on that now and I'm like, no. And then when people find out, especially if you have a history of depression or anxiety, they think that you're just like making this stuff up in your head and not that you're like crazy, quote unquote. It's more just like your brain does have a lot of power to do things. And so, you know, like you can make symptoms happen in your body that aren't real. I understand that that like that is a real thing. Psychosomatic symptoms are real, but like maybe we should just try to listen to women and we as women should try to listen to our bodies. Like maybe we should be like, Hey body, like, what do you need? (laughs) Instead of no, you don't know anything because I just feel like that's just, just how we are trained as women is to like shut that voice off. And it is a very important voice. Totally. Yeah. To me, it's about the trust. Like if a doctor doesn't trust you, how does, what does that do to your relationship with yourself? Like, yeah. How would you feel like you could trust yourself if this authority doesn't trust you? Yeah, for sure. And like, with intuitive eating, like having trust in your body is a huge thing. Yeah. And that was like reading about that and finding out about that. I was like, trusting my body? <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> so how'd you find out about intuitive eating? Because we've been dropping it a lot in this combo. So around like late 2018, um, actually the same way Elena, I think, said she found out about it was through the Instagrammer. Ariel says she's also the Instagrammer who I found out about Weight Watchers from. So full circle. Yeah, she had this huge like, I lost a lot of weight on Weight Watchers, and here's how I did it. And then so I started following her, and then all of a sudden she was like, "Hey, I'm done with this. Like, I don't want to feel this way about my body anymore." And she just made this big post and talked about intuitive eating and how it did change her life and how she was listening to her body more. And at the time, I was like, "Oh, that sounds great!" And I ordered it because I thought it was like it's just another diet. <laughs> like I was like, "This sounds awesome." And I was also <laughs> following this uh, Instagrammer called Body Posy Panda. Mm-hmm. Yep, I know her well. A lovely British woman, and she just like I found her to be very refreshing and nice. To, it was just nice to see someone of like a curvier figure like love their body so much. But I still thought like oh that's nice but like I I don't look like her so I can't feel that way about me but I was like kind of trying to get to that point and like like you said Justine I had a lot of um, people in my life who were in larger bodies that I looked at them and I was like you are so beautiful like I just Mm -hmm. like like I never would see these women as like fat I'm trying to get to the point where I don't feel fat as a negative word but like I would never just be like man she's just gross like if they were I have so many friends who are fat women who are beautiful like Lindy West like I think she is like super awesome so smart not my friend but a person I wish she was my friend <laughs> but like she's a, it's so intelligent and funny and like she's in a bigger body but I just couldn't see that for myself until I just I don't know I think I started to just kind of like get fed up with my own crap like I was just like you know what I don't want to be this way anymore but I don't know how to not be this way like I would always talk so much crap about myself and I always did it in the privacy of my own home like I wouldn't do it in front of other people but I would do it in front of my husband all the time and it caused so much strain in our marriage like we would fight all the time because I'd be like I'm so fat I feel so ugly you know and I would just talk about it like constantly and my husband was like stop like you you're talking about the person that I love in such a negative way and I don't want to hear it from you anymore. Like I'm, I don't want that. But I was like, I don't know how to stop. Like I thought there was never going to be a way that I was going to be able to stop without losing weight. 
Did you ever feel like saying these negative things about yourself was kind of like repentance for being in a larger body? Yeah, I think there's definitely like that aspect for sure. I think that, you know, this like needing to punish myself and I had a lot of anxiety about it too. Like I would go to sleep at night. Like whenever I start to go to sleep and my mind relaxes, I would get all these thoughts of like, you're going to be fat forever and like you're never going to lose weight. And it was just so like just this nightmare all the time. And then I think too, like being in a larger body, I think that you have to, I I think for me specifically, and I think other people might feel differently about this, I'm not sure, but like, I feel like I'm constantly having to tell people I know I'm fat. Like I I would just like want you to know that like, I'm aware. And like for a long time, I felt like I had to tell people like, I'm aware I'm fat and I'm trying to do something about it. Like, Mm -hmm. because it was just like, I felt like that was the only way to validate myself in other people's eyes. And you know, that it probably isn't true for a lot of people, but for some people it is. And it's just, it just really sucks when you feel that like you have to just make sure everybody knows like, oh yes, I hate myself because I look like this. Ugh, it's bullshit. Yeah, it's such bullshit. And it also like, <laughs> how does that serve you? Like, yeah, I have had like my, like I am done with having conversations about women about what we hate about our bodies. Like I'm just done with that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's throw that in the fuck it bucket. Cancel. (laughs) Because it's just like, how does that like make anyone in the room feel better? Like when you're sitting there saying I'm so fat and then there's a person in the room that's bigger than you, what are they supposed to think about themselves when they're struggling with their, you know, own issues or just like what, like, how does it, even if there's not someone bigger, like what does it what does it do to have that conversation with someone? It just drags everybody down. I just think as women, we need to realize that we have so much more to offer the world than our looks. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> like, I'm just tired of it. I'm just like, I'm done with that. And I, you know, honestly, like, it's just so much of a waste of my time. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I'm like, if you want to talk to me about that, then you might as well just like go talk to somebody else. Cause I don't have any time for that. So nice. <laughs> I mean, I just like I did it to myself for so long that it's just I remember specifically I actually wrote this down in my notes when I was making notes for this. I had to reactivate my Instagram. I've been taking a break from just so I could find the specific post that I made. <laughs> Thank you for your service. That's much appreciated. Real quick. Um, so the way Elena and I had a conversation in like January, early January or like late December, 2018, right before she left for her year long trip, like literally like the week before. So did you leave in January? Yeah, we left like mid January. So I thought it was early January. Yeah. So early January, 2018, I had this conversation with Elena and it was like, I don't even remember exactly what we said, but there was just this moment of connection where I found out someone else felt the way that I did about like, hey, maybe dieting isn't the best thing. And (laughs) like, there was just this moment where I was like, all these things just connected. And I was like, there's someone else in the world. I'm not alone. And it was just so amazing. I'm feeling really emotional. (laughs) So really, I think that you should like give yourself some credit for the fact that you really helped me find intuitive eating, not that you felt helped me find Weight Watchers. Thank so you. Like I'm absolved. I'm a little bit like thank you, thank you. <laughs> I I'm I'm like Ariel in that I made you do both, but I think <laughs> the light at the end of the tunnel is that we had that amazing conversation. And yes. I was thinking about this the other day when we had just talked about it and we were going to dinner with Ben's parents that night and we were like we want Kristen and Noah to come and it was kind of like a last minute thing now looking back on it I'm like how serendipitous was that that we just kind of like had you guys come to dinner so that we could have this amazing chat in a crowded restaurant like 
huddled in the yeah. booth together. We were just like whispering about intuitive eating. And I was like, wait, I need to read that book. I have it. Because I, I ordered it when I saw Ariel post out about it, but then I didn't read it. And because I figured I knew what it said. It was just like, be mindful about eating and you'll lose weight. That's what I thought it was going to say. And so when Elena kind of gave me a little more insight on it, I think I read it like the next week in uh, two days. Um, but yeah, so when I started reading intuitive eating, um, in January of 2019, I made a public post on social media and I said, I am done hating my body. And here's what, everything I've been doing for the past 10 years that I've never told anyone about and nobody knows about. And I was just like, I've had bulimia. I've had like a form of anorexia. Like I, you know, spent all this time avoiding mirrors. Like these are all, and I posted this picture of myself hiking and I was like, look what my body can do. Yeah. Like I hate my body so much. But I was hiking like four miles a day at that time. Like I was like, I spend so much mental energy fighting this body that is doing so much for me. And it may not look like a body that I want to have, but like my, it is the body I have and it is a good body. Like just by being the body that I have. Yes, damn straight. <laughs> it's like this really long post. And I was just like, I just want to go public with this and say like, I'm done. Like I'm like, I... I am out. Good for you. The big reason that I wanted to start a podcast like this with Elena and like my other big thing is nobody talks about the shit. Yeah. It's yeah. like we're not it's like girls don't poop. We're not supposed to have these like issues. Yeah. And also it's just assumed that if you don't quote unquote look a certain way or act a certain way that you are just magically fine. So just good for you for being like there's shit here and we're done. Yeah, like I can't do this anymore. I I just like I realized that like I either had to get a to a point of peace with myself or I was just going to live in this hell hole for the rest of my life. Like there was mm -hmm. no way out except that way. Like there was just I mean, I could go on another diet, but and I'm not like it's so hard to, to be in a bigger body and say like I'm not going to diet anymore because I feel like people think like oh, she's just given up on herself. And I'm like, no, it's not. I haven't let myself go. I haven't given up on myself. I'm just done doing something that I know just hurts me and doesn't serve me in any way. Like just to be a part of society that like is acceptable when mm -hmm. there's just like, there's nothing for me in that. So yeah, I made that post and I got like so many people's messages like men and women they were like oh my god I do the same thing and like I really appreciated you saying that it was yeah. crazy like I didn't do it well I, I posted it because I wanted people I was like if you're doing this I want you to know that like you're not alone but also like it's not doing me any good so it's not doing you any good either and I still I think I still was in that place of like if I just continue on this intuitive eating like even reading intuitive eating like I think a lot of people go through this of like oh, well, maybe I'll still lose weight just like this way. And that's a really hard place for me because like there is part of me that still wants to like make sure I'm healthy. Like obviously I care about my body. And so I don't want to just like, I don't want people to think I've given up on myself like I just said. But I think that like, I just have to temper that constantly with knowing that like, I know what I know scientifically about diets from, you know, listening to so many podcasts and reading so many books and like, there's just nothing a diet's going to bring me that's positive. And like, I think that, you know, if my weight stays this way for the rest of my life, like I just have to be like, okay with that. And that's, I mean, that's a hard place to be in when you're in a larger body. Like that's, I think like still to this day, like I struggle with like 
maybe I should go on a diet. But then I'm like, no, because you know, you'll just gain all the weight back plus more and you'll be miserable all the time and you'll be hungry all the time and you'll be tired all the time and it will make your PCOS worse and like all these things. So I read intuitive eating. I I was hoping I would like lose some weight, even though that's not the point. (laughs) I think that like, I remember specifically, I think there's a part in intuitive eating where she's talking about how like you can go to a your grandma's house or something, your grandma just baked brownies and you can just have one or two brownies and then the rest of the brownies can just stay on the plate and you don't have to worry about it anymore. And I was like, that is a nice story for someone else. (laughs) I spent years thinking that I was like food slash sugar addicted. Like I really thought like, oh yeah, I definitely have that problem. Like I, I'm addicted. But yeah, that is completely true. Like I used to never keep any, um, sweets in my house I wouldn't keep any like snacky food in my house like I never wanted to tempt myself and I couldn't control myself around around junk food and now I have like a ton of stuff in my house that I can eat and it just like stays in my house like I eat it when I want it but I don't like finish a bag of cookies in a day yeah um like I was so afraid I would and that's like a really scary that's a really scary part of intuitive eating I think like letting yourself do that because you're like, what if I go out of control and I gain a bunch of weight and it's going to be terrible? But your body does know. <laughs> you just have to learn to listen to it. And I really did not think after like the damage I had done with um, bulimia and just the years of not listening to my body and my body's cues, I really truly did not think I would ever be able to have hunger and fullness cues again. Like I thought that was just done for me. Um, and I actually talked to my therapist about it recently because I was kind of telling her where I was at with my body and how I wanted to get to that point, but I didn't think I could. And she was really surprised. because She was like, you're such an intuitive person in general. Like you think so deeply about everything in your life and you figure everything out. But like you had just really not listened to your body for so long. Like you were just completely out of sync with your body. And I was like, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> but I did, like, I, I do have, <laughs> like I now feel hungry and full, like, like I did when I was a kid. And it's crazy. Like when you actually learn to hear that again, it is so exciting to be like, oh, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat something. And that's something I still struggle with. Like when I think that I shouldn't be hungry. Um, Like if I think I've eaten enough and I'm hungry again, I get frustrated with myself. And then I have to remind myself to like, if you're hungry, your body needs something else. Um, So that's definitely a struggle I still go through. But I'm so excited to like actually know when I'm hungry now and not just be like, well, I guess I'll eat because it's eating time. <laughs> I mean, I did that for so long because you just like get in this cycle and especially with bulimia, like binging, like you never feel hungry because you're eating so much all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you just turn, turn all those cues down. And I really like I would think back to my childhood and be like, those were the days, the days I could push away a plate of food and it wasn't fully eaten. And I just thought that was like a time of the past that would never return to me. But here I am feeling hungry and full again. So besides the book, Intuitive Eating, what other resources did you use when you were first starting out? So last year, I read The Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. Love it. Love that book. And Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, like I said. I think that book actually just came out late last year. So I probably read it at the beginning of this year. Um... And then I also really immersed myself in the um, anti-diet culture on Instagram, which was really helpful. Um, I found a lot of really cool 
advocates of all different races, which was really cool. I found just like a lot of people that were going through similar things to me. I found a lot of like fat positive and health at every size dietitians. Um, so yeah, that, that stuff has been really helpful. Oh, I also have to say I love the um, podcast that Christy Harrison does. And um, there's a podcast by Julie Duffy Dillon. If you have PCOS and you're listening to this, it's called Food Peace Podcast, I think. That's really helpful too. Um, but recently I had to take kind of a step back from all of that because I think like when you get so immersed in that, like, I don't know if you guys have gone through this. I'm actually interested to ask you this question. Like, do you ever just feel like you're the only one in the world that is awake to all of this stuff and everybody else is just like, yeah, diet, we're going to diet forever. And I'm like, no, you don't have to. And it just feels like you're just like the only one that knows that. Yes, is the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> My big like catch 22 or issue with all the podcasts and all the intuitive eating resources was sometimes I felt like I knew so much information that it was fogging up me listening to my body. Yeah. So I'd be like, I'm mentally hungry, but I'm not physically hungry. So if I'm not physically hungry, do I eat the cake that I'm wanting? Cause I'm wanting it in my brain, but not my stomach. It was just very like, yeah, I felt like I was doing behaviors just because the books were telling me to, and they were the books that I believed in. That's my big issue with all the podcasts and the resources is like, sometimes I need them to soothe myself. But then other times I was like, you're getting too into this information hole. Yeah. And also, I feel like sometimes as helpful as they can be, um, being in a larger body and being told constantly that fat phobia is a thing, I'm like, well, that okay, great. I'm glad to know that. You know, it's just like, I can only take in so much um, even if it's people fighting and advocating for larger bodied people, like they still will post the negative things that, and I'm not saying everyone does this, but people will post like the negative things that people have said about fat people and be like, look what I said back. And I'm like, well, great. But now I've seen what that person said. And I really didn't want to ingest that today. Like, mm -hmm. so I just had to, especially with COVID going on and just being like, so in my own head with everything right now, because my husband and I are still pretty much so socially isolated because he's high risk for infection. So we're, I mean, I've, I'm going on a hundred days of no social interaction really at all. And so like, I think that it had gotten very easy for me to ruminate all on all of that stuff. And I tend to just like get angry when I see a lot of injustice in the world. And so, um, I just had to step away for a little while, just mental health wise. And like, like, I think that it's important to know this stuff, but also it's important to just be like, I'm just going to live my life right now and like not think about being a justice warrior constantly. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now is I just, like I had so many great um, resources and I think there are so many great resources and I'm so, so, so thankful for um, all the dietitians and people who are willing to go on Instagram and like post the stuff and deal with the trolls and all this stuff. Like, I think that's awesome. I'm just not one of those people that can do that sort of thing right now. Yeah. Got to take care of yourself. It's kind of like a life cycle. Like you need those resources when you're first learning and first starting out and really need like the support of them. But then after you've become woke, um, <laughs> <laughs> for me at least, I was like, okay, I, I know this now. I don't need to keep hearing yeah. The, the intro to 
anti-diet culture or whatever yeah. it is. So yeah. Well, and some, yeah. And then sometimes I have to go back and remind myself of why I'm doing this and why I'm not, not choosing the path that is seems easier sometimes of just like going back on a diet and losing the weight and being, you know, like in this cycle forever. Like I sometimes need that reminder and like that thing to build me back up, I guess. Like I just need that. I just need some reinforcements is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that like just knowing, like you said, Justine, like knowing yourself well enough to say like, you know, I need to listen to myself now is really important too. I have one more question about resources. When it comes to books like The Fuck It Diet, which I've read and I follow Caroline Duner on social media and I really like her content, but a title like that makes the fat phobic slash people who have still drank the diet culture Kool-Aid think this makes no sense. You're just saying like, fuck it to the world. Yeah. Or fuck so, it to myself. Yeah. Yes. So I've always, my big struggle and we can all work through it together is kind of how to communicate the ideas even though the language is somewhat radical I think for me um like I was trying to talk to my mother-in-law about some of this recently and I basically just told her instead of telling her exactly what it was that I was doing I told her kind of the results of like um being at a party and there was all these store-bought cookies on the table and I don't like store-bought cookies like I just unless they're from like a fancy store like I just don't like them they just like plastic and gross and I was like you don't understand like I didn't eat any of them <laughs> because like and I that was such a revolutionary thing for me because that was like I would have before I would have just eaten them and been like well I ate one I might as well eat more even though I'm not enjoying it and so like for me right now I'm just trying to communicate to people kind of the results to get them interested in yeah. what I'm saying um I do have to say it is hard for me to advocate for myself um especially right now I'm just not at that place of huge uh self-confidence yet and I worry about being judged by people for like what you're saying like I'll oh, just I just said fuck it and I didn't care anymore you know I don't want people to just think that about me and so I am often very scared <laughs> to to talk to people about this stuff. And then when I do try to say like a little bit to someone and they kind of say something that's like really not okay with me, I just clam up and like shut down. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if you have anything else to add to that, Elena. Yeah. Well, I, I feel a little bit the same way. Part of it is like, okay, well, I started intuitive eating and I didn't lose weight. So how am I supposed to tell people that this is a good thing? And obviously from this podcast, I believe intuitive eating is a very good thing. Like it's changed my life, blah, blah, blah. But still in the back of my mind, I'm like, I don't have a strong enough argument for it. I, I, people who are still dieting won't care that it brings you peace and you don't have to hate yourself anymore, which to be fair are completely valid things and things that I think everybody should have in their life. But there's still that nagging voice that says like, that's not enough. It has to promise better results or whatever. It's easy here behind a mic to say all this stuff. But then when you're like face to face with somebody, I feel like it's more difficult to have those yeah. conversations. Yeah. 
I, I that got me thinking about though communities and stuff like that like communities of like-minded people kind of help us through so was that a part of your story at all um I wish I could say yes but I really only had Elena and I have a friend named Sarah who I've talked to about some of this stuff and that was really helpful but like that is a really hard thing for me to feel very alone um especially I feel like in Oklahoma it's just like so like you just have to mention you're on a diet all the time like I was at this I was at this meeting for like this charity that I was working with that actually works for with food insecurity <laughs> like you would be surprised at how many people who work with food insecurity are on diets all the time I'm like what is your problem and why do you have to talk about it right here right now but this yeah. woman said something about like we had pizza and she said something about how she couldn't eat pizza because she, she was allergic to it it made her fat and I was like why would you say that like yeah. why like and it, I just feel like there's like constantly things like that so I think I felt it has been a very hard road for me. I did, I did find um, what, like online, I am part, of, I, since COVID started, I really started looking into um, my PCOS and like trying to learn more about it. And through uh, Judy, Julie Duffy Dillon, who uh, goes by Food Peace Dietitian on Instagram, um, she actually has a course that I started taking called PCOS and Food Peace. And I think that really has helped me with the gentle nutrition side of intuitive eating. And um, she has like every month we do like a call where we can ask her questions and she'll answer them. And then she'll also let all the other people who are in the call answer. So like last month was my first one. And my question was just like, I feel like all of my symptoms have gotten way worse since the pandemic started. And like, I don't feel validated in that because I don't have kids I'm not working from home like I'm really fortunate in my life situation that I'm like not having to work and I feel like my stress level shouldn't be this high but like my fatigue got really bad like I got really broken out um like just all of my symptoms like my carb cravings like you get these really intense carb cravings with PCOS and they had gotten just like really out of control like horrible um, and it make, it make you feel like animalistically, I have to eat right now, like a carb. It's not just like, oh, I'm hungry. And like, I want some chocolate. Um, so with that community, like I asked the question, like, has anybody else experienced this? Like, I just need to know, um, just to be validated. And it was so nice. Like she validated my question, but she doesn't actually have PCOS. So then she opened it up to other people and just all these other women telling me that they were also experiencing the same thing. And like, it was okay. Like I literally started crying on that call with all these women I did not know. I was like, thank you so much. I'm just gonna, like I had to mute myself because I was like, I was literally sobbing. Like I was like, I just needed to know that. And like it, like her course has been super helpful. Like I think, you know, the gentle nutrition side of um, intuitive eating is kind of recent for me because I have been kind of I heard this girl Jess Baker she's on Instagram she's called the militant baker and love her yeah she's hilarious but she she was on Julie's podcast once and she called it donut land like you just like kind of you like with intuitive eating you can live in donut land you can live in donut land for as long as you want and I think like to some extent I lived in donut land for quite a while like I was like I'm just gonna eat whatever I want and it doesn't matter and it does matter, but like, and I wasn't like, I was just eating like willy nilly. Like I was eating when I was hungry, but I also wasn't putting any kind of a moral judgment on my food. And I was just kind of letting myself 
do whatever felt good. But with uh, the digital nutrition has kind of started to slowly come into my life where I'm like, hey, you know what sounds better than this is this, and this actually makes me feel better, so I'm going to eat that. And with Julie's course, she's like taught me that with PCOS, I don't have to restrict things. A lot of people will tell people with PCOS that you have to go on a low-carb diet, like that's the only way to treat it, and you have to lose weight. One of the things I learned is it's genetic, and you don't actually cause it by gaining weight, which I really thought up until the past few months, I thought I had caused it. Um, so you did not, if you have PCOS, you did not cause your PCOS. But also, <laughs> um, it was just really helpful because she taught me that like, I don't have to take anything away from my diet. I can eat what I want, but like, I just have to have a lot more protein than most women. And so I have to have, especially in the morning and at night, like I have to have protein at certain times and I have to be aware of like having protein when I'm eating like any snack, I have to try to add a little bit of protein to it. So whether that be like, I really like Greek yogurt, which I, it used to be kind of a diety food for me. And now it's like full fat Greek yogurt is like my favorite thing to eat at night with blueberries and honey. Oh, yum. <laughs> yes, so good. But I like, I eat that a lot of nights and I have ice cream too, but I eat the yogurt because I'm like, it tastes so good and it makes me feel so good. And I can have the ice cream if I want to. But I know that like for my PCOS, I probably, sh you know, like if the yogurt sounds just as good, I'm going to have the yogurt because it will make me feel better. Um, or like if I have a piece of cake, I can have a piece of cake, but I need to have a glass of milk with it just to have some protein added to it. So it's additive, not restrictive. No restriction, just adding things. And like, um, she basically just tells you at the beginning, like, you have to try this for at least three to six months and like, don't go on a diet. And I was like, girl, I'm already there with you. So just tell me what else I need to do. So. <laughs> yes. Your journey is just really amazing from where you started to where you are now. Where, where do you feel like you're at with your body currently? So currently, um, I feel like I'm at a place of peace for the most part. I'm, um, tomorrow I have another PCOS and food peace call, which I'm excited about, um, to interact with that community. And I, um, have started like really making sure that I get up every day and walk, not for like any kind of punishing activity, but it's more just, I know that it makes me feel better throughout the day to like have done some kind of gentle movement in the morning. So I think I'm, at that point where I'm just kind of starting to do things that I know will benefit me in the long run, like future me. Like my, that's what my husband always says. He's like, I'm going to do this. Present me is going to do this for future me <laughs> because future me will appreciate this. So um, yeah, I think that like another thing I uh, have started buying clothes like that are not cheap that fit my body, which is a huge thing. Um, I, for years, went without, like, a, a real winter coat because I was like, I'm going to lose weight. I don't want to spend a bunch of money on a winter coat. I bought a winter coat <laughs> that actually fits Congratulations. me. <laughs> and I've just, like, I bought um, clothes that, that feel good and fit my body, and that's, like, a huge win for me that I, I feel like I would never spend money. Like, and I'm not saying I wear, like, really expensive designer clothes, but I wear clothes that are not, like, from Target that are, like, going to last a few seasons because I'm, I'm kind of at this place of peace with my body where I'm like, I just want to feel comfortable in my clothing. So I'm going to buy the clothes that fit me <laughs> and mm -hmm. that feel good to me. Um, yeah, that's yeah. huge. 
Yeah, that's like, a, that's a huge win for me. I think that's like a really big point of acceptance that I finally reached. Um, also, I just really love to cook so much, as Elena knows. Oh my gosh, Kristen makes the best tomato galette. <laughs> Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. It's so good with tomatoes from her yard. Amazing. <laughs> oh my God. But I think that with intuitive eating, like that love for cooking has just exploded because I just, I have so much more at my fingertips. Like I can eat pasta. I can have, like my husband and I have recently started making sourdough bread together. Mm. And that was actually a plan before the pandemic struck. I just want to say like, we did not just like <laughs> jump on board with everyone else. Um, but yeah, we started making sourdough bread and like, I don't, worry about eating the bread like I'm excited because I made the bread and things like that were or like butter using butter in my cooking and just like there's no recipe that I feel like is off limits to me which is really exciting um I just feel like I'm at this place where I just like feel like really happy with like the possibilities of the world and there are definitely things that I still struggle with like I've mentioned a few things already today but like you know still like I really struggle with I don't have a general doctor that I go to because I've just had so much difficulty with doctors being in a larger body but um you know that's something I'm working on and that's something that we're supposed to cover in the PCOS course that I'm taking so that's a TBD <laughs> thing but yeah that's kind of like where I'm at is in a good place I want to say a good place yay I love that it's always a journey but it's nice to end or nice to be in a good place as you're on the journey. And we always like to end with this question on the podcast, um, which is if you could go back and tell your self that went on their first diet or your first dieting self one thing, knowing what you know now, what would you say? So I knew you guys were going to ask this question, having listened to both of your interviews. So I really thought about this today. Um, I think the main advice I would give myself is to stop listening to other people's advice. Like, I think that is such a huge thing in, like, in my entire life. Like, you know what's best for you, so stop letting other people put doubts into your mind. Um, mm. And, like, you're worthy of love from yourself, <laughs> first and foremost. Like, other people will love you, too, but, like, the most important person who can love you right now is you. And so listen to yourself and trust yourself and trust your body. Those are the things I would tell little me. <laughs> Yes. I love all of that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing your story. I think so many people, I mean, there are bits and pieces of all of our stories that kind of cross over. And so I just, I know that this is going to help somebody who can relate and yeah. Thank you for your wisdom. Yeah. I think your podcast is a great idea. Like just having people talk about their stories who are just regular people is huge and very helpful. So I hope, I hope a lot of people listen and can find some nugget of truth for themselves in each story. And if anybody relates to your story or has any questions about this, um, would you be open to sharing your social channels on here? Yeah. So I'm only on Instagram and not even always on Instagram, but you can look me up. <laughs> My uh, name on Instagram is Kristen. It's spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N, like Christ in, not Christian, Christ in, 
Mick Richardson. So MC and then Richardson. My last name used to be McMahon and then I just shoved them together. I, I really wanted my husband and I to shove our names together for real. I thought that would be hilarious. <laughs> not too late i mean yeah 12 year wedding anniversary present our last name is mick richardson now everyone (laughs) (laughs) so yeah look me up feel free to message me if you'd like any info on any of the things i mentioned and or if you just want to talk and be my friend i would talk to you (laughs) love it awesome well thank you so much Kristen and thank you to everybody who listened and we hope we will see you in two weeks for another interview but in the meantime I hope everybody stays happy stays healthy stays sane and kind to themselves in quarantine and we will see you on the next episode The Body Pod is produced by Elena Dorn and Justine Dorn. Our artwork is by Elena Creative and our editing is by Justine Dorn. Our music is by Dano Songs. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Body Pod.